Tonight on Huckabee, California Congressman Devin Nunes, television host and author Elizabeth Hasselbeck, the clean comedy of Taylor Mason, and country music Stephanie Quayle. That's Drake Corley of the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Gilbrey. And Thank you, everybody, and welcome to what is going to be a wonderful show. So glad to have you with us. Great to have this terrific studio audience with us here in our theater. And if you have not ordered tickets to come and be with us for a live appearance, you really should. These folks are having the time of their lives. I told them they were, and they are. They are really doing it. All right. Uh, there you go. See? They really are. I want to begin tonight with a sincere apology. I deeply apologize. For what, you may ask? Well, pretty much everything. I mean, it seems to be the cool thing to do these days. I, one doesn't have to actually have done something to hurt or injure someone. It's not that one even need be specifically accused of an act of aggression, a verbal insult, a personal affront, or an assault on another. In a way, I get it. The Bible makes it clear that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Not a single human being currently living on planet Earth is perfect, not even the ones who think they are. Once there was a pastor, he was seeking to just make sure of that point. And he asked rhetorically in the sermon to his congregation, he said, is anyone here perfect? If so, let him stand. And a man stood up in the back. Well, the pastor was a bit startled that someone would be so brazen as to declare himself to be perfect. So thinking the man misunderstood the question, he asked again, <clears throat> I, I said, if anyone here is perfect, let him stand. The man continued to stand. Their perplexed pastor called out, Sir, are you standing because you're saying that you are perfect? The man shouted back, Oh, no, sir. I was just standing for my wife's first husband. <laughs> Some of you are just now getting that. I... But look, other than him, most of us wouldn't be so lacking in self-awareness as to declare ourselves to be perfect. But it may be almost as lacking in self-awareness to apologize for things for which we have not done. Lately, I've watched CEOs of major companies grovel on their knees to people and apologize for sins of people who lived generations before. I really don't see that as an act of humility, but rather a perverted form of spiritual pride. Truth is, if I offend you, it's God's job to bring it to my attention. And when he does, it's my job to go quietly to my brother or sister and ask forgiveness for the very specific offense I've committed. I find not one verse in Scripture that I'm supposed to ask forgiveness for sins I didn't commit, 
even if somebody else demands that I do it. That really cheapens the whole point of confession and forgiveness. I most certainly ought to confess my actual sins, and there are plenty of them. I primarily confess those to God, not just to somebody, unless it's the somebody that I have specifically and personally sinned against. I'm taken aback when people apologize for being white or being male. Look, I had nothing to do with either one of those things. My ethnicity came from my ancestry and parents, and I had nothing whatsoever to do with it. And my gender, that was assigned at birth by God. And since I believe him to be omnipotent and omniscient, I just don't think that he was making a mistake and really intended to make me female so that when I turned about six, I could demand an irreversible hormone therapy and surgery to permanently alter my body to fix his mess. So please forgive me. If I don't beg forgiveness for my whiteness, my maleness, my southernness, my Christianness, or my very existence. And I'm not going to give some mealy mouth confession that says, if I have offended anyone. Because should I somehow have specifically sinned against you, the tales of that are going to be clear to you and to me. And if God needs to prompt my remembrance, he's capable of bringing it to my attention. So on second thought, I'm not going to offer some wholesale apology for any and everything someone I don't even know is ticked off about. When I sin against you, God will make that clear to me. It won't be for the sin of my very existence. It'll be for some specific offense obvious to you, me, and everyone around. And then my apology will be sincere, heartfelt, necessary, and effective. I can't help who I am. I can help what I do. And when I do something sinful to you, God's going to let me know. And then I'll let you know. As the situation on the southern border continues to deteriorate, migrants are pouring into the U.S. at taxpayers' expense to house them. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris haven't seemed overly concerned. Remember, it's not a crisis, it's just a challenge. Not a crisis and certainly not a national security threat. My first guest is ranking member of the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. He represents the state of California in the 22nd District. Joining us now, Congressman Devin Nunes. Great to have you back, Congressman. Let's get underway, starting with the border. Uh, your state's a border state. Uh, you guys are affected by illegal immigration. To what degree is Joe Biden and Kamala Harris missing the reality of what's taking place? Well, probably uh, first and foremost is you have a Gallup poll that came out that showed that they estimate, and this is Gallup, this is not a, a right-wing uh, type of polling group, but estimated that 42 million people were looking to move from Central and South America into the United States. I haven't seen the whole poll. I read the headlines. But you're, you're talking about 100,000 people a month. I was just in Arizona this week uh, talking to a lot of the people that are impacted by the border. They've never seen levels at this rate. And, of course, you have the secondary issue, Governor, that uh, a lot, most of these people, they're transiting through the Mexican border, but they're actually not Mexican. They're coming from Central America, South America, even Africa and Europe. 
and including, I think, some, some threats that we should be concerned about, not only uh, counterterrorism, radical Islamic threats, but also worldwide uh, drug cartels and mafia. There's all sorts of people that are now flowing across the border. And you have a situation where Biden just stopped building the wall. And many of my colleagues who have been down there, they, get the, they say there's a 20-mile stretch and then there's a 20-foot hole in it where the wall's just sitting there because Biden stopped all spending on it. I mean, this should be, uh, the, the court should step in. This was an agreement. Congress has signed it. Trump had signed this into law. It's all paid for. At least what Trump campaigned on, the Congress funded, it actually should be built. There, there's been this sense in which uh, the greatest story is the human trafficking going on with children, uh, unaccompanied mm -hmm. minors, thousands and thousands of them herded together, many of them with COVID, no place to put them. Now they're being moved into uh, hotels. That's what I think is stunning. We're talking about an $86 million expenditure to put people in hotels in Dallas, Texas. My gosh, there are a lot of Americans that haven't had a vacation in the year since COVID. They'd probably like to stay in a hotel too. But we're all funding that. What can you do in Congress yeah, I, to, to, to stop any of this? Well, if we, you know, the challenge is if we had control of the Congress, we could actually do something. We could at least stop bad things from happening. Uh, I think the challenge we have now is that there's there's no oversight over these cast of characters. I don't have subpoena power. That power rests with, with Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats. So it makes it tough. Other than doing border inspections and coming on shows like yours to inform the American people, uh, this is why it's going to be critical over the course of the next year and a half to make the case that the Republic or voters across this country need to re reward Republicans uh, we gained seats. Remember, outside of the presidential election and the two seats in Georgia, we did very, very well in the House. And so it's going to be critical to make the case that you really need conservative-minded people watching the Obama-Biden-Harris administration. And you notice how I said that in that, in that order. <laughs> you know, I, I think Biden and Harris is kind of making Obama look as conservative as Ronald Reagan, as far left as Biden and Harris seem to be taking the country, far more so uh, than President Obama, which we thought was pretty far to the left at the time. A uh, big issue in California is the recall of Governor Newsom. Far more signatures gathered than were necessary to get it on the ballot. Uh, one of the things I find interesting, Congressman, there are a lot of Democrats and independents who signed those petitions who want to recall yeah. Gavin Newsom. This isn't just a Republican deal. Well, the way that I say this, uh, Governor, the way I look at this is if, if, if you as governor at the time when you were governor of Arkansas or me as a congressman, if we were out advocating school closures, restaurant closures, everybody wear masks, and then if we were caught in one of the finest restaurants in California uh, drinking very expensive wine with lobbyists indoors without a mask, we would be run out of office within days and weeks. Yes. This was largely covered up. This is exactly what Newsom did. So this is just one of many areas of hypocrisy. I mean, the other areas are that that he when when we have fires burning in California, they run up into the mountains just above where I'm sitting now and they say, oh, it's global warming. Well, no, people remember 20 years ago when Bill Clinton declared created a monument and marked all the forests off so that in all the jobs, the tens of thousands of jobs were eliminated in California. You know, there are still some people that remember this. And so when it's all on fire, he sits up there and blames global warming. 
You have the hypocrisy of the, the Republican counties in California remaining on hard lockdowns ordered by the government uh, governor, restaurants and business owners being targeted when, you know, conveniently the liberal counties, you know, Lake Tahoe, Napa, uh, they were opened up, places where people in the Bay Area wanted to escape to. So you have this two-tiered system of government uh, and two-tiered system of values and things that he follows uh, himself or he, he orders people to do, but he doesn't follow himself, I should say. Are you optimistic that the Republicans will get the House back and maybe take the Senate in 2022 as a result of the Democrats so overplaying their hand? I, I am. Uh, it's going to take, you know, the, the big issue uh, that we have here, though, uh, is getting information out to the American people. So, as you know, 95 percent of the content that's now being created everywhere on the Web is extreme left wing. Mm -hmm. But when you run it through your iPhone or your iPad or your desktop, 99.9% of the information that's, that's getting to people's uh, eyeballs is garbage. It's that 95% of the left-wing content. So one of the things that, that Donald Trump has done, and I think a lot of Republicans have done, rural America has now completely turned conservative and Republican, even areas that historically weren't. Donald Trump you know, went to areas of Wisconsin and Minnesota and Michigan that had been traditional kind of union uh, labor areas to where, and he turned those people into Republicans. So now we have a country where 47% of the people aren't buying anything that the left-wing media is saying at 95%. The problem is trying to reach that 10 or 20% of the people in the middle to help us get from that 47% to 60, which is where we should be. Mm -hmm. You know, when you poll people, they don't think any of this stuff is okay. You know, that kids aren't back in school, for example, that Kids with COVID from Central and South America and God knows where are flowing across the border. That the, the, the American taxpayers paid for a wall that isn't being built. These are all things that have 70, 85% approval rating. But if the people that don't pay attention to politics very often, if they're just being poisoned on a daily basis by left-wing news organizations and big tech companies that are censoring and flowing that content into your brain, it's nothing short of poisoning the brain. It's nothing short of Pravda from the old days of Soviet Union. It's no different than what the Chinese Communist Party does in China. That, those are the real headwinds that we face is trying to figure out how do we reach the people that are outside of that 47% who aren't buying what the left wing is telling them. I want to say thanks for being back with us. I want to have you back because one of the issues that you have been uh, maybe the premier champion in the Congress is on trying to get some control of big tech. That's what I want to get back to when we uh, have you back. Congressman Devin Nunes, thank you very much. By the way, to our audience, you can follow the Congressman on Parlor at Devin Nunes. Check out nunes.house.gov for all the latest from his office and what he's doing for the people of California and for that matter, what he's doing for all of us in America, and he is. Right now, let's find out from Keith Bilbrey what we're going to be doing for America tonight right here on this show. I would love to. Up next, television star and best-selling author Elizabeth Hasselbeck, plus comedian and ventriloquist Taylor Mason. Stay tuned to Huckabee.
and welcome back. Elizabeth Hasselbeck is an Emmy award-winning former co-host of The View and Fox and Friends. She's also a best-selling author, and she's the mother of three. She's just released her very first children's book. It is a beautifully illustrated story called Flashlight Night, an adventure in trusting God. Now, when I launched my television show back on the Fox News Channel several years ago, she was my very first guest on that show. It is such a joy to welcome a wonderful person. You love her, Elizabeth Hasselbeck. Well, that it is was so great nice. having Thank you. Thank you. And it's true. Hi, everybody. It is a true You're song. So, well, not, I'm not lovely all the time. Yeah, you are. Governor, people have seen enough film of me to know I'm not. I have unlovely moments. You are one of the <laughs> nicest people I've ever known. You're kind. Right you back really at are. You. You're so kind. And I love this book. I read the whole thing. <laughs> you know, I love children's books. Did I make books. any spelling errors in it? <laughs> No, but okay. I love children's books because I can read the whole thing pretty quickly. That's right. That's why I worked on one. I could write it quickly. But I'm excited about reading it to my grandkids. And my understanding is this is kind of a true story. You actually do have a, like a big board at your house and kids yes. have written on it? Yes. Tell us about how that works. Thank you so much. And look, people, this is amazing. Oh, this great is humans yeah. and fun and friends. Um, so really struggle with worry myself. And I think as a child, I would save my prayers for emergencies. I worried if some were too big or <laughs> some were too small. It was God too busy to handle it Also, I was like, you know, we're going to handle this. And we had this chalk wall in our house. I was inspired by a little girl by the name of Caroline who hmm. had a prayer wall. And she told me that she had one. I thought, you know what? We can do this in our home. And so I asked the kids. We made ours chalk. Yeah. Asked them to write out their prayers, all the big things, all the small things. And Tim did it too. And then we got to this point. Governor, where I thought, uh-oh. I asked them to, to ask God for big things. And what if the answer's no? Yeah. And how are we going to practice being prayerful and trusting when sometimes the answer is no? And we've asked them to ask God for good things. Right. And so there came the flashlight. And so the flashlight um, was our way of shining a light on where we saw God's answer as a yes. Like, God, we see you working and so we're going to shine our light on that, and we're going to celebrate that and be thankful, and then we're going to shut our light off and be honest with God and say, oh, I, this doesn't feel good. It feels dark. Yet, I'm not going to stop trusting you, and I'm going to declare in the dark, God, that you're good and that you're working on it even when we can't see. And so that was what our flashlight night was for us. And thankfully, you don't have to paint a wall in your home. <laughs> we put a flashlight wall, a chalk wall, right inside yeah. the book on the cover. So we just wanted kids right to have a space to get yeah. their worries out. Kids, we know that the anxiety rates and worry rates are high, right? Yeah. And so we thought, why don't we share what's worked for us? And it's really what God gave us in our own home as a story and a place for kids to not have to carry around these massive worry rocks all by themselves. See, I think that's what I love about this story. First of all, it's based on the reality of the way that you've raised your children to believe God for big things, but, but to be bold about it mm -hmm. and write it down. It's hard to raise kids today mm -hmm. where they have this presence of God in their lives. It's obviously something you're very intentional about. Mm -hmm. Tell me what's made a difference in your children from having raised them with that sense of God's really there. 
Listen, I think sometimes as parents, we create these activities and invitations into having a relationship with God. And really it's because we're desperate to have it and maintain it too. Yeah. And so we want to raise our kids to be resilient in their faith because this world, if anything, that we learned in 2020, it's that, listen, we got a big fat no in 2020, okay? Everything was <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, we did. Everything yeah. was you thought this and now it's not. And so all of the children right now have learned that things don't always come out the way that you hope that they would. But listen, we're not, that doesn't mean we're going to give up on hope and we're going to give up on faith. And certainly we have a God who's not giving up on us. So I think that declaring in the dark, and we've had a dark season, I think so many people have had that in, in different ways. Um, we declare in the dark that he's good, even when we can't see. Yeah. And if we can raise our children to trust that God is working on it, even when the answer is no or not yet, then they're going to become teenagers and adults that are going to be able to walk through triumphantly hard times. That is a great a great lesson for every family. I think one of the great lessons you gave to your family, you, you walked away from really a wonderful career in television because you wanted to devote that time to your family. Was there ever a moment you said, oh my gosh, what have I done? I've just, I've done something. I've walked away from a career most people are dying to have. Sure. Did you ever have that thought? You know, I think that, you know, whether you're a working mom or stay-at-home mom, we're all full-time moms. So I think the, tr and dads have this too. We just don't let you guys talk about it as much. <laughs> like you all have the expectations on you just as much. And so I'm very pro-dad, um, but I, yes, yay, pro-dad. Um, but I do think that sometimes you have seasons as moms, yeah. you know, and you have seasons as working people where you understand, okay, this is a complexion of our family right now, what's needed. And you try to just do the best thing at the best time um, that you can. And I think after being prayerful about it, I loved the time at The View. I would have stayed there if they didn't have other plans. Um, but then it kind of like <laughs> catapulted me, it catapulted me to the Fox. Yeah. And it made me go hunt for a position there and ask for a job there. And that was good, I had this awesome team. I just wasn't resting. You know, I missed yeah. that command that God says. Like, he instructs rest because it's his idea. Yeah. And I forgot about that. <laughs> so I just wasn't. I was sleeping. I mean, you would see me. I mean, we've had so many right. interviews together. Yeah. I was suffering through them because I wouldn't sleep at night. Mm. And so I didn't really do well by, I, I don't think I stewarded my time as well as I could have. Um, and I think knowing that God was giving me the okay to step away wasn't an easy thing to do as a teammate in work. Yeah. But I knew that in that season, there was going to be a reason. And we found out the whys later. And the whys are, we got to move to Nashville. And the whys were all the friends that we've been able to have. And the why was that our family lifestyle um, and what our children needed at that time, I had, I had the blessing of being able to do that. And I, I know that not everybody does. So I don't take that lightly. I've just found work to look differently. And so it might look like writing a children's book. But I think what we all can do is celebrate that you have continued to be a strong witness for Christ, mm. a wonderful, wonderful example of a person who loves life and you exude that joy that we all need. This is a book that mm. I hope parents and grandparents, grandparents like me will get it. I can't wait to read it to my grandchildren. And you can get Thank your you. copy of Flashlight Night right now and keep up with Elizabeth and all her wonderful insights. Follow her on social media. You can also get the book by being at our show tonight, because here's a little secret our audience is about to find out. Elizabeth has brought a free copy of this book for every single person in our studio audience. 
Now you folks at home are going to say, I ought to get some tickets to the show and join us in the theater soon, and I hope you do. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you, Governor. Keith, what else do we have for our show tonight? Tell us. Oh, you're going to love it. Coming up next. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What do you do? I can't do it, Romeo. What do you do? What is your job? What? Read it. Can you do that? Read your thing. Okay. Plus, Mike's funny in case you missed it. News story. We'll be right there. Yeah. Or Huckabee on the way. MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter. And follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. Welcome back. Taylor Mason has been with us on this show before, and we loved him so much, we just had to have him back. Now, he was the champion on Star Search, and he performs all over the world, from Carnegie Hall to Disney cruises, even to churches. I want you to welcome the clean but hilarious and highly unusual comedy of Taylor Mason. Wow. Wow. What a show. Awesome. Hi, everybody. Hi, everyone. We are in a great, great mood. The weather's changing. Spring is here. Spring is here. I heard the first tweets of spring. Any mean ones on Twitter? No, not, not those, those messages you got on Twitter. No. I mean from the tweets from our flying friends. They left a different kind of message. Okay. <laughs> on your windshield. Okay, all right, very funny. That's not why we're here. We are, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm kind of a, an up with people kind of guy. Really? Yes. And I always look for the bright side. Really? Yes, Romeo. And we are going to share that with you guys here this evening. What do you mean? In the midst of everything. And I know it's been tough, and I know it's been difficult, but there's always a bright side. And that is that this mask that we need to wear all the time has been a boon for my industry because this has been the biggest thing. This... This has been the biggest revolution in the business of ventriloquism <laughs> since vaudeville. Yeah, you should leave it on. Yes, it's, it's been incredible because for a ventriloquist to say something like Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers, you do it. Now put the mask on. All right. If I put the mask on, go ahead. Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. See, it's perfect. <laughs> Did you say Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers? Yes, I did. This thing smells terrible. <laughs> I was using it for a hamster hammock. Oh, no. Oh, oh. Oh, that's, that's awful. You know what? There's always a bright side. You can always find stuff is coming back. Like what? For example, sports are back. Whoa. We love sports. I love golf. You watch on TV? I wa you know that I do, buddy. Why? I love to watch golf on TV. Why do the announcers whisper? The announcers whisper so they don't interrupt the, the, the players as they're teeing off or putting. No. Okay, why do the announcers whisper? They don't want to wake the people who are watching at home. Oh, wow, stop it. <laughs> Pro baseball's back. 
National Hockey League. Who tased the hockey players? What do you mean? Who tased NHL players? National Hockey League players are paid by the owners of the teams. No. Okay, fine, Romeo. Who pays hockey players? The Tooth Fairy. Wow, that's just mean. Because uh, you, maybe you're not familiar, but sometimes hockey players run into each, each other so hard they lose a tooth. Tooth fairy. Okay, Romeo. <laughs> fine, fine. Ventriloquism is, has, been, has had a boom, not just because of the mask, because we've been doing a lot of virtual shows for children's hospitals. Yes, we have. Which has been a lot of fun. And Romeo... Mm-hmm. What is this? What? This whole thing you're doing. What? This is like shimmy. What? This right here. Not doing this. What are you doing? I'm doing this. What is this called? Attitude. Attitude. <laughs> Who taught you this? Keith, the announcer. Oh, come on now, stop it. No, no. No, what are you doing? No, you're gonna sit down right here. No, 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 no. I wanna need Elizabeth's half of that. I wanna, oh, sorry, you just stay there. Oh, yeah. Let's go to church one time. And I know it's been tough over the last year or so, but I appreciate you guys being here this evening. We're going to get our peace back. We're going to get our joy back. We're going to get our life back. We're going to get our swag back. We are all right now a little bit like Paul on the road to Damascus. Only right now, we're on the road to demask us. Right? Oh, we're going to get our swag back. Yes, we are. And I know when they brought me up here this evening, a lot of people out there, right in this audience and the folks at home, and right here, even Keith, the announcer, and the band are all looking at me, and they're saying, well, my goodness, who is this guy, Taylor Mason? Well, I want you all to look at it this way. My name is Taylor Mason, and I am not Jay Leno, and I'm not Jerry Seinfeld, and I'm not Chris Rock. I'm someone that Mr. Huckabee can afford. Oh, we're going to get our swag back. Yes, we are. We're going to take it back. I've been playing the piano since I was a little boy. I learned how to play the piano from Mrs. Randall, my, uh, my music director at the Deer Park Memorial First Baptist Congregational First Church of the Nazarene Pentecostal Methodist and Presby <laughs> Presbyterian Lutheran Synagogue and Temple. And she was an old school stride piano player, you know. She always said, if you can play like this, you'll be the hit of every party. I got hit at every party. All the other kids would come to show and tell. They'd have Tonka trucks and dolls and video games. I'd come in and play Bach. And it was so neat because the class would rise as one, come forward, and beat the living daylights out of me. All right, thanks a lot, everybody. Welcome, Romeo. Welcome back.
Thank you, Governor. Yep. You called him Mr. Huckabee. Yes, Governor. You yep. call me whatever you want to. You are the man. You know, you're, you're nice enough. I know you would never call me anything like I get called most of the time out there in the public. So I, I hear you, man. We yeah. were just in Arkansas, as a matter of fact. Yes, <laughs> we were just in Arkansas. We were at the Grove Comedy Club Where up are you? in Lowell. Yeah. They all said hello. Hello back. Yeah, exactly. Arkansas, man. I hope you had a good time. We had a great time. We stayed in the trailer. Oh, come on. Oh, stop it. Stop it. No, we, we had a great time. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having us back. Thanks Taylor, us back great to have you back. We loved you before. We still do. Thank you. Uh, you know, your comedy, I, of all the things you did, when you said the road to demask us, obviously the audience <laughs> loved that because all of us are ready for this world of ours to move past the mask and COVID and start being normal again, whatever exactly. normal looks like anymore. Exactly, and you know, you know, there's a reason that I, that obviously there's a reason that I do everything. You're losing your mind, shush. <laughs> there's a reason that I do everything. You're thinking for two, shush, man. <laughs> you guys don't know what it's like. All right, Romeo, you made your point. Everything, everything, and especially it seems like for the last year is almost biblical, you know, mm. with what we're going through. And so we are definitely on the road to de I do feel like Paul these days on the road to demask us. Okay, exactly. All right. <laughs> You've been doing these shows for children in hospitals. This I think that's fun. so powerful. You know, for us, it, it has been, the organization is called Win-Win Entertainment. Mm. Uh, they're always looking for donations. We do it, it has gotten me through, we have done a hundred of them. Wow. Uh, sometimes what they do is they'll give the kids an iPad or something, uh -huh. and are right in front of the kid. Yeah, yeah. right, child, right. <laughs> right there, hello, child. Okay. And they can see your lips smooth. Okay, man. <laughs> Teeth. All right. That's it. That's all. Just stay there. Oh, come on, man. Come on. And we do these programs for these kids. It's been, it has gotten me through this. I look forward to doing the programs. I'm doing two, I'm already, for this coming week, I'll be doing Summerlin out in Las Vegas and Sunrise Children's Hospital in Las Vegas on Monday and Tuesday, and we'll probably do a couple of more. It's been, it has been, for me, the greatest part of this entire... As I said, there's always something to be found. There's always an opportunity, even I in love, the depths of all this. I love your attitude. It's something we need more of, people who aren't grumpy and gripey all the time, like Romeo has been sometimes. But I love you, Romeo. <laughs> But I think it's important, by the way, I want to mention, because when you were here before, I talked about your book, Irreversible. Yes. I read the whole thing. I, I found it very compelling, and I loved the, the, just the power of the story. It, it's an insight into what it's like to be an on-the-road entertainer. It's a nightmare. But it's, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it is an entertaining book. You've been with us twice. you got to promise that you'll be here again. Anytime, Make Governor. it a third Anytime, time. Anytime, Mike. Shush. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Hey, Keith Bilbrey. Tell us how we can see more from Taylor Mason. All right. For more of Taylor's hilarious videos, his blog, his calendar, and to book him for your venue or event, visit taylormason.com. You can also get his merchandise there, including his comedy concert download, Laugh Away Hunger, and autographed copies of his book, Irreversible. Next, the last continue with Mike's hilarious In Case You Missed It news story. Later, country music star Steph McQuill is on Huckabee.
Hey, from yard sale treasures to crazy California coronavirus rules, we've got the news that'll leave you screaming with laughter on In Case You Missed It. California theme parks can finally reopen next month, but there's a little problem. To prevent the spread of the coronavirus, the state government barred singing and shouting. And that includes banning people from screaming on roller coasters. Oh. Now, here's my question. Couldn't do it. Is it still okay to scream about California's government? <laughs> I think that's scarier than a roller coaster. Yeah, it's okay as long as you're not in the park, I guess. It's not only maybe scarier than a roller coaster, it makes me even sicker to think about California's government these days. <laughs> hey, somebody ought to ask Dr. Fauci if you can scream on a roller coaster if you're wearing 10 masks at one time, maybe. Yeah. All right, so in addition, theme parks have to have their capacity reduced to just 15%. So maybe each car could carry one person at a time. That sounds kind of crazy, but you know, Think about this. If there are no crowds, mm -hmm. no screaming, and nobody is allowed to sing, it's a small world after all. I'm going to Disneyland. <laughs> Why not? Speaking of Disneyland and speaking of all that, seriously, yeah. um, I heard that Russia will be opening up like a new theme park there in, in Chernobyl. No it's, kidding. It's going to be amazing. Chernobyl? Yes, yeah, seriously. Now, here's the huh. thing. They said it's just like Disneyland, except the six-foot mouse is real. Oh, <laughs> so it's, oh it's, uh, boy. I I'll bet by the time you're done there, you'll be able to count ten on one hand. <laughs> hmm. Well, weird government edicts aren't limited to California, because in Taiwan, the government is asking people not to change their names to salmon. Yeah, I know it sounds fishy, <laughs> but a restaurant chain is actually offering free sushi to anyone who can produce a legal ID showing that their name is Chinese for salmon. Yeah, that's right. Hmm. Now, things were going swimmingly. Oh. See what I did there? You yep. are a master at that. Until the government started floundering <laughs> when over a hundred cheapskates applied to legally change their names to salmon. Hmm. Uh, there was actually a pretty big grouper of them. That's oh. oh. Well, they cod all be winners, right? Oh, man. Let's just hope this doesn't give der wiener schnitzel any uh. ideas what to do. Hey, I love yard sales, because that's where I buy my jokes, as many of you would uh, probably I believe. That. Uh, but someone in Connecticut really must love yard sales. An unidentified shopper paid $35 for a china bowl at a yard sale in New Haven, Connecticut, and was bowled over when it sold at Sotheby's auction for $721,800. For a bowl? For a bowl. An he old paid 30, bowl. An old bowl he paid $35 bucks for. If you do the math, it's 29,000 times what it costs. So see, wow. if you shop at yard sales, you avoid the markup. That's what it is. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> and I tell you, for that price, it better be dishwasher safe. I know that. <laughs> it actually turned out to be one of only six surviving lotus bowls from the court of the 15th century Yongle Emperor. Wow. 
Wow. Oh, man, I've been looking for one of those all my life. Well, there, that means there are five more. <laughs> you know, there were six of them. There's five left somewhere. I'm hitting the yard sales this weekend. But I'm going to tell you, the part of this story that I find unbelievable is that someone actually paid $35 for a bowl at a yard sale. <laughs> Go figure! That's the part it's hard to believe. I mean, I would have talked them down to two bucks and made them throw in a Larry the Cable Guy VHS cassette Absolutely. for that kind of money. All right, finally, a homeowner <laughs> in North Richfield, Ohio, discovered that someone had broken in and trashed his kitchen. But he caught the masked bandit when he opened his dishwasher and discovered a raccoon. Mm. Raccoon was taking what he described as a well-deserved nap. The police sent over patrolman John Metzo, who's known as the department's absurd animal officer, because he previously had to get the jump on a kangaroo, and also one time he had to move a cow. <laughs> now, the raccoon, that deserved a bump on the drum, yeah. I think. Don't you have a cow sound? I don't know there? what it is over there. They're just, they're not even paying attention. I'm slow tonight. But the raccoon was safely removed and given an award by Dr. Fauci for never taking off his face yeah. mask. Yeah, there you go. Even oh. in the dishwasher. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I wanted. There we go. By the way, do you know what you call a horse that trashes your kitchen? I'm afraid to ask. The galloping gourmet, oh, that's what you call it. There you go. Well, just like a fish at a sushi bar, we need to flop on out of here. But always remember, we read the news. Coming up, country music sensation Stephanie Quayle is next right here on Huckabee. Join us next week with Mike's guest, autism activist Xavier DeGroote and comedian Brad Stein. Well, we had some really good news this past week. We were presented the Christian Voice Magazine's Gospel Music Fan Awards for 2020 in the favorite TV show category. Guess who won? The Huckabee Show. That's who. We were pretty happy about that. And by the way, we won in 2019, two years in a row. We are deeply grateful for Christian Voice Magazine's Gospel Music Fan Awards. And a special thank you to Randall Wiles from Wiles & Associates and to all the fans for their strong support of this show. We are truly honored and grateful. Now, Rolling Stone Country declares Stephanie Quayle as an artist, you need to know. I 100% agree with them, 100%. Because Stephanie is a fresh voice in country music inspired by some of the genre's greatest women, including people like Dolly Parton, Loretta Lynn, and Patsy Cline. She's got a brand new single out. It's called By Heart, just released. I want you to welcome an absolutely delightful country star, Stephanie Quayle. Stephanie, welcome. Hi. So good to have you here. This is, I mean, people. 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 You know, they all have a pulse. We checked <laughs> on their way in. We yeah. are so excited to have a studio audience, but we are excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. You grew up out in Montana in yes. ranch country. Yes. Uh, so the, the music that you sing about America and this great country, yeah. it's music right out of your heart. It's 
in my boots. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I thought was so cool, you did a cross-country trip yeah. on a Winnebago RV, staying yes. at KOAs all over the country. It was amazing, yes. We did 9,000 miles crisscrossing the country. Wow. America is so incredible. It's a great there's place, just, there's, isn't it? There's not enough time to see it all. Now, were you singing along the way all over the place when you were doing this? Yeah, I had my face on the side of the Winnebago. <laughs> it was very subtle, very subtle. Uh, uh, yeah, so we would play little campfire shows yeah. to you know, 20,000 people. It was, it was as wide, as vast as the country itself. Growing up in Montana, I, I know you probably listen to music out there because sometimes you've got to be a little alone out in Montana. Not a lot of people hanging yeah, around. Yeah, that's true. Uh, who influenced you? Who was it that mm. just made you say, one day I want to do what they're doing? A thousand percent Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton, I mean, yeah. she's, she's just, she's Dolly Parton. She's, she's so amazing, isn't she? Yeah, I mean, she just, she, she showed 2020. She's yeah. like, okay. I got this. I'm just yeah. going to keep. I mean, she's just a force. And I mean, a songwriter, musician, Brilliant voice. songwriter. She just is endless. And one of the smartest businesswomen probably in the world. Yeah, she's Never smart gets enough cookie. credit for that. She's brilliant. Brilliant. Um, this song that you're doing, and you're going to do it with us tonight. Yes. You're going to be doing it with I'm us gonna tonight. I'm going to be with you, absolutely. <laughs> so exciting. Why is this song important and personal to you? Well, I've, I fell in love with this song the first time I heard it. It's written by Anna Voss, Cassidy Lynn, and Ian Christian. And in Nashville, for a lot of people yeah. don't realize, the songs aren't always written by the artists. But, you know, as a songwriter, when I find a song that I just have to, yeah. have to. And this song really got me with, I want to know you like, like my drive home. Hmm. You know, like to know someone like... You know, driving around Montana, I know every street like the back of my hands, you know? <laughs> and this song, it feels like new love, but it's really whenever love, you know? It's like you think about your relationship. Go home and ask your wife something that she hasn't told you, and I bet there's something. We've been married almost 47 years. Okay, there's not, not much she no, hasn't told me. Most of it I can't repeat in front of an audience, Understand? however. Understand? Understood? Got to be yeah. very careful yeah, about that. Yeah, I get that. it. I get it. Well, one of the things I love about you when I watch you perform you have such a sense of energy and charisma. It's obvious, Stephanie, you really love this stuff. I really love it. It's, it's, uh, last year singing to screens, yeah. you know, and to my animals in our barn, uh, they were very kind. They yeah, were very they were. kind and forgiving audience. Uh, yeah, you know, it's- They don't I, pay well, I, though, I, do they? They don't. <laughs> but I love, I love humans and I just love the connection that happens with music. It's so powerful, it's so healing. And we, I think this year really shows us how much we need it. Fill up the tank, yeah. drive, yes. and go see Stephanie Quayle. You will have an absolutely magnificent time. Her new hit called By Heart, it's available to buy. You can stream it as well right now. And for more information about her music and concerts, go to stephaniequayle.com. It is on your screen. See her in person. These folks get to, you're going to get to see her on television right after the break because she's going to be performing her new song and I get to sit in with the band to be a part of it. Don't you dare go away. Now, here to perform by heart with Trey Corley in the Music City Connection and Mike on bass, is Stephanie Quayle. I want to know the way you take your coffee in the morning. Do you drink your black? And I want to know the station that you're playing in your car when you're driving fast. 
fall asleep with the TV on. What day of the week do you call your mom? Don't leave out any information. I'm just saying, I want to know you like my That you wore when you were 17 And I want to know who let you go And made you who you were the day that you met me Tell me how you'd like to be kissed Tell me what you love 